0: Hi, I'm John Rogers. I created the show Leverage and Road Transformers, and you're listening to Genretainment. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Genretainment over at SciFiPulseRadio.com. We're your hosts, Marks
1: and Julie. Genretainment is where we talk about what's happening in the world of film, TV, and web series. We give you interviews with writers, directors, producers, and actors in both independent and not-so-independent creations. Now, for this 94th episode, we are speaking with Christopher Leone, the writer and director of the science fiction film Parallels.
0: He tells us all about this fun, parallel-earth-hopping movie. We also discuss his past work, like the sci-fi mystery miniseries The Lost Room.
1: Now, before we get started with that interview, we do want to point out that the music you just heard at the beginning of the show was a snippet from the theme song for our web series, Reality on Demand. It was a song composed and performed by our friend T. Sean Hardy. And you can find our web series at realityondemandseries.com. Now, let's get started with our interview.
0: Ronan, it's Dad. You need to come to the building now. Dad left me a message.
1: Me too. It was weird.
2: Something about a building, like get to the building?
1: Yeah,
3: same.
2: Do you, you have any idea what that means?
3: I don't know. It kind of freaked me out.
2: 156
3: Prospect. That's downtown. It's been empty for years. There's nothing there.
0: This graffiti of different Earths
2: void Earth
1: 33 the contagion has spread
0: what is earth one
1: what the hell is that where are we what's happening hi Chris welcome to Jean retainment
0: Hey, how's it going? We well, really enjoyed your new film about parallel universe travel, called Parallels Fitness, yes. uh, which uh, recently premiered on Netflix. Before we focus too heavily on that film, we do want to learn a little bit more about you. Mm-hmm. We know you have a lot of visual effects experience. You also have producing, directing, and writing experience on projects like like the miniseries The Lost Room, mm-hmm. Wolfpack of...
1: Reseda. Mm-hmm.
0: And Suit Up. So how did you get started in filmmaking, and what led you to eventually you know, reach this point in your career with the creation of Parallels?
3: Well, I've been pretty obsessed with filmmaking since I was a little kid. I started working in visual effects, um, I guess, fairly early on, and I had two careers for a while. I was working as a screenwriter occasionally uh, and, and working visual effects at the same time, and eventually uh, you know, I sold a few scripts and eventually made a mini series for the Sci-Fi Channel, as it was called then, uh, called The Lost Room. And lately, I've been directing more, uh, some commercials, uh, but a lot of digital projects for Fox, and Parallels is the latest one of those, and I I, I wrote the teleplay for that and directed it.
0: Before we get into uh, Parallels too much, I also want to talk a little bit about your visual effects experience, because you have quite a bit, rather than list off all those. What was one of the most challenging or fun visual effects projects you ever did?
3: Well, I think, Uh, well, I, I had kind of a... I started working in film, and my very first job was actually shooting out all of the visual effects, you know, from the computer back onto film with these cameras that would take. I think they originally took like two minutes per frame to film out, um, and that was my very first job in, in Hollywood. I guess, you know, eventually I kind of taught myself 3D animation, and I did a lot of pre-visualization uh, for other directors, basically figuring out how to shoot. Uh, shoot stuff, and I usually did that for commercials. So those are actually some of my favorite projects, mm-hmm. just because I, I don't know, I enjoy kind of working with the camera and and trying to find cool shots. You know, when we when we have the time to shoot them. But uh, yeah, that that previsualization is my favorite
0: part of the process. That's great. And did that help shape a lot of your directing style?
3: Well, yes and no. I mean, I, I like on the projects I've been doing, they're low budget enough. I don't really have time to do anything that clever? I mean I think I think as a result like I think I'm very smart with how I where I where I how I use the camera. I think I use it pretty efficiently
2: mm-hmm.
3: and I've been working with a DP named Bryce Fortner who's incredibly fast and has a phenomenal eye and we've had like, a really good uh, working relationship. So it's probably helped me maybe it's helped me that way.
2: <laughs> I imagine <laughs> but, it but I yeah, imagine it has the, yeah.
3: But yeah as far as like the real kind of intricate Precision kind of shots is like yeah we just we just shoot we we're, we've just been shooting way too quickly to do to do that kind of stuff.
1: <laughs> well, but that efficiency really comes in handy. I know I've I've been on set and your heart just sort of sinks when if you're on one and you realize the director and the DP don't really know what they're doing, so they shoot like from every angle the same thing, and you can tell oh, there was sure. just no pre planning or thought whatsoever and they don't know what they're doing so like you're just standing there and you do the same thing and the camera just kind of goes around you at various times in a 360 <laughs> and it's like that, oh no
0: I <laughs> got their cover i think the people
3: I, I think if you haven't been on set i think maybe what people don't realize is your biggest enemy is time
2: yeah and
3: really what you're buying with a bigger budget is more time yes but, i mean you're and you're buying other stuff too i mean you're buying you can buy maybe a bigger set and everything else, but the biggest thing is the time. So, you know, the difference between shooting a uh, two hours of television in 20 days or a two-hour movie in 60 days or, you know, parallels we shot in 11 days, which is wow. which an oh, wow. incredibly fast
2: that is. schedule.
3: And so, right. And so you really, you know, you have, you have to really make
2: <laughs> really
3: efficient decisions if you're ever going to get through it and, and, and work with, I think, a team of people who can move very quickly and... And, and are really hustling.
1: Yeah, because you know, best case scenario, if you don't do that, is just the fatigue sets in and the quality is not as good. The worst case is you just lost your people because you <laughs> went too over in time.
3: Or literally it just doesn't get done. I mean, things don't get shot and, yeah. you
0: know, uh, no, you have to, you gotta make the day. Yeah. So. <laughs> Well, let's talk more about Parallels then. We've teased it. Yes,
1: please do. And we're
0: teasing. So um, so tell our audience who haven't seen it yet, which is on Netflix. And I think if it's not already on a video on demand platforms, it probably will be soon. Can you tell us a little bit more about what Parallels is about?
3: Well, Parallels, it's a science fiction uh, story. And it's about, it turns out there's this building. And it's just an ordinary office building. And you could drive by it every day and you would never notice it. But it turns out when you go inside, it's empty, and the whole, the lobby is full of all this writing, and the writing says weird stuff like, on my earth, terrorists flew jets into the Twin Towers on October 23rd, 2001, and on my earth, uh, you know, weapons have been abolished, or on my earth, uh, you know, half the population is wiped out by plague, or, or whatever, and, and it turns out that this building, uh, if you're in the building at a very certain time of day, it jumps to a parallel earth, and it turns out the building jumps every 36 hours. So we follow the story of a brother and sister are kind of estranged and the father goes missing. They've left them a strange phone call to go to the building at that time. And them and their next door neighbor, they start essentially jumping through parallel worlds.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm personally fascinated by the concept of parallel universes and, and that subgenre. Um, yeah,
1: I like it too. But I really liked the characters a lot too.
0: Yeah, a lot of times, a lot of my oh, own. thanks. Yeah, the characters are great actually, yes. And a lot of my own little writing work here and there has touched on the topic a lot. So I'm kind of semi-obsessed with it in some ways. A little
1: bit. He gets obsessive about things. <laughs> he doesn't just like them. He becomes obsessed.
0: So I'm curious if how focused you are on that concept. Is it something that really interests you a lot as a, as a writer? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's something I thought
3: about a lot and a, and a lot of my favorite shows as a kid. I mean, uh, like you know, Land of the Lost was a big influence and it had especially the Pylons in Land of the Lost, which, Mm uh, there's one episode in particular where Holly is kind of transforming from one world to another. And that was a big influence. And, uh, yeah. uh, So, so yeah, it's, it's one of those ideas. I mean, obviously it's kind of a, a a big science fiction idea and and a lot of people have tackled it. And I think when I had the idea for the building, that really, that mechanism fascinated me and the, and the strangeness of it. And, uh, and that, I think, was the way into doing a parallel Earth story to me.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, but I've always
3: wanted to do one, and I, and I had sort of never never found the right one until this.
1: Yeah, and I noticed on the um, – I think on the, the writings, the graffiti, people were saying on Earth, number, whatever. So I guess there are some people that have kind of figured it out a little bit or know more about it. So they, they know which Earth is which, and they can number them or label them somehow.
3: Well, I like the idea that the building itself becomes this almost Wikipedia page where people are writing their own entries, like their own personal histories, things they've learned and that by exploring the building you may actually discover new information and you know and clues and and, or you know, you think it's a very strange earth and go, Wait a minute, I read about this on the third floor and (laughs) and you know, go back and yeah, and maybe find a clue.
1: Yeah, that was neat. And like I said, I liked I liked the characters a lot. I mean, I like the idea of, um, you know, with the with the brother and sister, because so many times you see on TV and movies and Marx just laughs at me because I'm always like, oh, nobody's relationship with their sibling is that sappy. You know, or, or they have a brother and sister and there's like weird chemistry because the actor and actress are romantically involved and it's just transferring weirdly on screen as siblings, you know, (laughs) you know what I'm talking about. Or like, they just are ridiculously close, like nobody's that close to their siblings, you know? And, and so this would seem like, they seem like more of a real family. And then honestly, my favorite was the neighbor. He is my favorite character. (laughs) One and all, out of all of
3: them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Eric Youngman. Yeah, he's really, really, really funny.
2: Oh yeah.
3: Yeah, and I like, and I also like that they start in kind of a, they start in one place, and I mean, even by the end of of, of this story, they've kind of they started to expand. But no, I have a lot of ideas. Harold, I think in particular, Eric Youngman's character has a fascinating journey that I want to keep going with. That I think is really, really interesting. But, yeah, no, I mean, it's important to me, I think that one, I mean, I have a brother and a sister, and um we are tight, but we also you know mercilessly tease each other, um so that's part of the normal fabric of how we even talk to each other,
2: yeah, yeah
3: and, and and I also and I also really like to have characters who kind of have their own agendas that they're pursuing and and aren't you know that make sense to them and and all have their own different needs and yeah, no, I'm glad you say that. I, I, I
2: really like the characters, too.
0: Yeah. And, 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 you know, the neighbor character is a character that adds some comedy to it. Yeah. But he doesn't ever go overboard. He's, but I he's think
2: he's
1: really, character. he's more the heroic character because, you know, it's it's like, I, he's a smart guy and, and he's accomplished, but he became an attorney to help people. And you can tell he takes care of his mother. who obviously isn't well and he really didn't like the version of himself that was the opposite of that and was looking out for himself, you know. I think he his character is is more in a lot of ways heroic, I think, than the obvious heroic kind of character. Well I would say
3: this though. I would say this though about that character. His very first interaction with another version of himself does not go very well. Um, and I was really proud of that.
0: Yeah. (laughs)
1: It did not. It was, it was good.
0: <laughs> so where'd you come up with the idea? I mean, you, you've been doing work with Fox Digital. So, you know, obviously you built that relationship with them. But the actual story idea, where where'd that come about? That had actually been kicking around for a while. It started with,
3: I, had, I just had the image of a girl coming out of an office building into almost a sort of wasteland. More of a kind of green, woodsy wasteland. And that these men with dogs would start to chase her. It was just this one little scene I had. And it but I I've noticed in my writing I tend to start more with tone. And so like for me, that little scene had a very creepy, weird feeling of, you know, essentially stepping out. You know, if you just walked out of a building one day into just a parallel earth, like how peculiar that was. And and the building as the as the mechanism was obviously really interesting. But that was it. And so then it just got me thinking, well, what, how would the building work? And, you know, what what would the mechanism be? And that really, that's the part that initially always fascinates me, is really the rules and the logic of it and like, how would it work? And yeah, and that's, that's right how it got started.
1: Cool. Now, we did mention a little bit about, uh, you know, the characters. And if you want to talk a little bit about who these characters are and the cast that you got to yeah. to play them, because it was uh, a very sure. good cast. Uh, yeah.
3: Yeah, no, I, I think we did really, really well. Uh, Mark Hafka plays Ronan, who is um, the, the the brother, the older brother, who is uh, kind of a wandering fuck up, basically. Um, <laughs> he, uh, he's he's uh, he's just kind of wandering, and he gets into fights, and he kind of freelances sometimes yeah. as sort of an underground MMA fighter, and, and gets the shit, shit kicked out of him. And he's a very, he's kind of in a very angry place, and. Um, doesn't really fit in into the world. So st- suddenly hopping from world to world, I think becomes like an interesting thing for him because he never really fit in to begin with. Uh, he's got a sister who was the one who uh, stayed behind when their mother died, and she's more, you know, a little more, a little more grounded. She, you know, she works for a living, and uh, and they and they've been estranged actually until they get a phone call from their father to both come home and then go to this building. Their neighbor is Harold, uh, Harold Smith, who lives across the street and has a very painfully obvious crush on Beatrix (laughs) uh, since they were kids and who, you know, Ronan can't stand. And then as they start to travel, they meet someone else, uh, a girl named Polly, who is also traveling through the building and is much more knowledgeable about it and and starts to kind of clue them in on how it all works. Oh, I'm forgetting everybody's name. Jessica Roth plays uh, Beatrix and Eric Youngman, I already said, plays Harold. Uh, Constance Wu plays Polly, and then there's one more main character uh, that Michael Monks plays, named Tinker, who's a the guy mm-hmm. they meet on their first alternate Earth, who is uh, kind of a brilliant, not really an inventor, more like a brilliant guy who can basically tinker.
2: He can
1: reverse uh, engineer just about anything. Yeah.
3: Yeah, and he's the guy in you know this kind of post-apocalyptic world who's like keeping all the machines running and the cars running, and is trying to turn the power back on. And he, and actually it was very, uh, Michael Monk is really interesting because he grounded the character in a way that I, I think sometimes when I write villains, they can be a little arch, a little, a little, a little mustache twirling. And Michael really made him believable. Yeah.
1: Can, can I have a, make a confession here? I know he's not a good guy, but I liked him. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> He is, he's like a, this villain, but I liked him. I'm kind of rooting for him in a way. You know, it sounds weird.
3: No, uh, no, no, but that, I mean, that's the thing. I think for me, it's like you, re- I think by the end of the story, even though he's hes really a villain when they first meet him, that you realize, well, he's got his own agenda. And he's not just, a, he's not just a villain for villain's sake. He's not just there to torture them. He is a mission. Right. I think when you start to realize what the mission is, suddenly he's not, yeah, you start to see him in a different light. He's
1: like crazy and, like a fox. You know? <laughs> Not just crazy. Yeah, right. Or
3: and and you and you kind of understand his reasons for it. You yeah. you know, it, it it makes sense even though it's like, oh, right now this is the worst kind of guy.
1: Well, to and run into Yeah, it's one of those things where you kind of get the idea that, you know, just about any person living through in the situation that he's in, that situation can turn anybody into that and you get the feeling that he wasn't he's not he wasn't ever just a bad guy. He was just Right. he just got stuck in, in such a bad place that it was going to make anybody that.
3: You know, just Right. and, and also it. Right. and and those for that character. Okay, that's what that world did to him. But what do other worlds do to that same character? I right. think is like a really interesting question.
0: If it goes to series, is that a character you might revisit? Please say uh, yes. Definitely.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. Thinker is definitely you'll see a lot more of him.
1: And I'm work. also curious about their dad, the the brother and the sister's father, who is the one that got them into all this. And you know, we found it kind of curious. It was like, that's their dad. Or is it really their version of their dad, or another version of their dad?
3: <laughs> uh, that I mean that is I mean, I think on any parallel world show, that is always the question, right? What, what version am I dealing with? And, and Right. I think that's, that is it always, really your yeah. dad
1: or is it a guy that is a version of your dad and using you? You know, there's, how well, do you also, know?
3: Also, right. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, I mean, that is the question. And also, in, and then in some ways, like, well, even if it, say, say, I mean, I don't know about this case, but say you meet a version of your dad that you know isn't your dad, but like, well, in some ways he still is. How much is still the same? You know what I mean? Right. Like, you, um, and that and that's a very peculiar.
1: And you get to visit the that. whole nature versus nurture thing, you know, because you get two versions that are fairly similar, but in drastically different circumstances.
2: Yeah. You end up with yeah, and very they, different right,
1: outcomes. Still end
3: up, yeah, right. Or that you know, they still, despite different circumstances, do they still end up basically the same guy. Do they? They go off in wildly different directions? Yeah, it's interesting.
2: Yeah.
3: No, I mean, I think it's why, like, a parallel. You know, the the idea of toying with parallel Earth is such an interesting. An interesting idea because there's yeah there's so many ways to kind of unfold it
1: that's why we keep going back to that idea sci-fi fans we love thinking yeah
0: that.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well the talk about reality too is i mean do you think the concept of parallel worlds could at all be possible or is it just pure science fiction
3: well i mean man i don't i don't know but i'm
0: not above my
1: grade, man <laughs>
3: Wait, was sorry. What was that? Like
1: that's above my pay grade, right?
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, because like, I mean, I, I do read a lot of science, but like, you know, w- once it turns into fiction, I mean, you know. But I mean, there is a lot of science about. There are scientists who very seriously believe that there's parallel Earths. There's a lot of you know quantum theory who 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 think yes, literally, there are parallel Earths. You know, every decision splits off into a new universe. But, yeah, I, I have no opinion on it. I have, I have no idea. To me, I, it seems weird, but, you know, who knows? The world, the universe is really weird.
1: Hey, anything so is knows? possible. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a cool idea. I'm going to go on record as saying it's entirely possible.
0: Well, <laughs> well, let's, yeah. let's have a fun question, a, a fun what if. If, okay. if parallel universes existed huh, uh, and you could travel to one, what kind of alternate world would you like to visit? Oh man! Hmm. Um, to visit or to?
1: Eh, visit. Live in. Or, or I was gonna one. visit. Either or both. How's
3: if it? I was gonna visit one, it would be some world with a really, a highly advanced technology that I could essentially steal and take home, like Ooh. cure for cancer or something <laughs> like that. So otherwise, it's like it'd be cool to visit, but to me, it's like no. Nah, if I'm coming back, I want to. I want to bring something back with me.
0: That makes sense. That's That's my
3: ruthlessly pragmatic answer.
1: Okay. If you were going to (laughs) go live, would there be another one you'd want to live in?
3: Um, Yeah. I mean, I would definitely want to live in somewhere, you know, a better version of our world. I mean, you know, I mean, I think, you know, I I personally find global warming, climate change terrifying, not to me personally, but terrifying to what you know, people in 100 years from now, how they're going to live and look back at us like the biggest assholes ever
0: <laughs> who didn't
3: do shit about it. Really. I mean, yeah. if you look back at the Romans, if the Romans had fucked up the entire ecology of Earth and we were still suffering for it, you would think they're the worst people in the world. And they knew. Like, and, and they knew. Like, we know it's true. Yeah. Anyone who doesn't believe it. And, and yeah. and Anyway, I could go on about, that. But, <laughs> but the, the idea that, like, you know, we are... And, possibly destroying ourselves, or at least really altering things for the worse, and somehow are unable to stop it, I mean, I would like to live in a world where, like, somebody fix that.
1: Yeah, 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 because honestly, I mean, those of us alive now, we're, we're seeing some effects now, and we're having some inconveniences, but, you know, in a few generations, you know, I, I, I feel really sorry for anyone alive a few generations from It'll now. It'll be all Mad Max. <laughs> yeah, because it's you know we're gonna be having wars over water and and food and no,
3: it's it's already begun. The well, begun actually,
1: they have traced
3: water wars. I mean, like, yeah, well, the they... army the army completely believes it and takes it seriously. So the fact that like half the country still thinks it's a hoax, yeah,
2: it's like yeah,
3: not the army. The army's ready. Like, they know <laughs> it's true. They they're getting ready.
2: Well,
1: there was know. a report that came out that said um, they were able to trace the war in Syria back to fighting initially. Over water for irrigation and and just resources for living.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that makes sense. Yeah,
1: and that, you know, you you start fighting really hard when you're worrying about your family eating and having water.
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: and it's just no, we age. take
3: it for granted. That yeah, right. we do. You know, we're very
1: like, we're very fortunate. It,
3: yeah, no, and it's such a slow motion problem that people can't quite conceive of it or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's even weird. though it's like it's happening, just it's you know.
1: It's just kind of, it's, we're, we're
3: immediate people these days. We
1: have very short attention spans. Especially
0: social media now. Yeah, so. <laughs> I know. You
1: know, you read about it and then five minutes later you're reading something else and <clears> you <throat> forgot about it.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I can't see the effects of Snapchat, it didn't happen. <laughs> um, but anyway. You know what?
1: That's just, that's not even funny, but it's just absurd. But let's, uh, true.
0: so, you know, things sometimes get cut off scripts. Uh, or they never make it because they're really more in the planning stage for like the character backgrounds or perhaps
1: uh, or it got cut after it was filmed
0: or it got cut out or there's histories of the the worlds that you just never really touched on Uh, i just wonder if there's any history twists in those worlds that we saw in the movie that maybe didn't make it make the cut
3: um there's there's a few little things there are a couple scenes that got cut just for momentum's sake just that they didn't they didn't add that much, and they were, we needed to kind of move the film faster. Mm-hmm. But not, not, not too much. We didn't, we didn't shoot a whole lot of extra stuff. There was a few lines. I know, like, there's a line that got cut. where Polly probably referred to going to an earth. They're talking about technology, and she says she went to an earth once where Rome never fell, that you wouldn't want to live there, but the technology was amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh. Just weird little, I mean, there's, so there are a couple comments like that. But, yeah,
0: I think that's it.
1: That would be cool.
0: Yeah. Now I get the feeling that parallels was originally. Yeah. Going okay. To be let's a cut
1: the crap. Where are we on a parallel <laughs> series?
3: <laughs> oh, we are. I mean, it is very much. Um, I mean, we are very much trying to make that happen. I mean, we're uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of machinery in the works. But yeah, I mean, we are all really eager to see that happen. Was
1: that always the plan that you you were hoping that this would be a, a pilot? Uh, jumping off for a series?
3: Well, we knew it was, I mean, the, the thing is, I mean, Fox Digital Studios is, you know, that we're not a TV studio and it's it's a, they create content for the streaming world. Mm-hmm. So, but we created it knowing that we were going to make more, but not, not totally sure what form it would take. I mean, oh. I mean, I always hoped for a series, but we didn't know, you know, would it be another 90 minute installment? You know, would it just come out as these?
1: A almost, series of movies,
3: know. yeah, right. Uh, or, or, or uh, a series is uh, is much more appealing to me. I think just you can just go so many places with it, and uh, yeah. And I, we're we're very actively pursuing that.
0: Yeah, I think it would fit very well as a series. I um, think so. And I signed a petition for it, so I know there's a yes. petition up there somewhere for so it. So um, we've
1: excellent. we've already done
0: that.
3: Yeah, that. Yeah, good. No, that like all that it really helps. I mean, just to be able to show like. You know, people really want to see more, and that's that's been very thrilling.
0: I'm sure you've been thinking a lot about what you would do if it becomes a series. Is there any hints of, that you would like to give? Like, um and this is tricky because I don't want to like spoil <laughs> the movie for people who haven't seen it. Yeah. But and of course, you don't want to give anything away too. Any big stuff? Is there any anything you would like to explore? I guess. With
1: <laughs> so series? with both hands tied firmly behind <laughs> your back, please tease us about something difficult
0: good. as possible. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I would say there are a lot of clues in 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 the show that indicate where it's going to go um, with all the characters. I think if you really look at what you kind of learn about them and where they're going, it, it it's it's it yeah, it says actually quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's I, I can't I can't tell you too much more, but yeah, there's a uh, it's yeah, it would make sense like. About a season in, looking back, you go, oh my God, certain things were already in motion. But
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. It feels like that. I mean, I really like the show because I feel like it's, um, well, I'm, I'm sure you've already heard this comparison, you know, like Sliders, a TV show.
1: But yeah, what yeah. Sliders never lived up to, its potential.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, I like Sliders when it, it, came, it came out, and I like I liked those characters and stuff. But yeah, I never really. Uh, well, well, your yes. show's got more edge, and it's got uh, more mystery to it's it, it's more sophisticated.
1: If if anyone liked the idea of sliders, but you know wanted something a bit more grown up and sophisticated, I think that parallels is is that.
3: Yeah, you know, I actually, ironically, I don't really know uh, don't really know sliders. I've seen like I think an episode and maybe one or two pieces of another one. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like I'm. It's not a show I'm familiar with. But you also have to remember, that was also, that came out like 20 years ago. I
1: know, we were kids.
3: And, <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, yeah. But, but I mean, TV is like a different
2: planet now.
3: I mean, TV is like, TV is the Wild West. I mean, it's so creative, and it's just such a different place now, and very exciting. So, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I, you know, I... Uh,
0: um, yeah, a lot of people yeah, say... Yeah, I don't it. know, TV's cool. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people say this it, is... No, it didn't... This is the golden age of television, pretty yeah. much, with all these, you know, with the success, like Walking Dead, all these sophisticated shows. Yeah. Uh, compared to, like. Yeah, I think. Yeah, compared to Sliders back then. Which everything was a was, good
1: show when we were kids. It everything was, was
0: very episodic. Everything had to be wrapped up, you know, each episode. Whereas now, people want more complex storylines yeah. and story threads. Well, now we have DVRs
3: and, and, you know, people watching, or at least used to watch a movie on DVD. And and so, and now we can stream everything on Netflix. And yeah, so now people like to watch like, yeah, uh, serialized shows, which used to be the opposite of what people wanted to do in television.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, for the most part. And yeah. And I think, uh, yeah, I think, I want to say Pat Oswald said something like, yeah, TV now is like cinema in the 1970s. It's like, you know, pretty exciting
1: place yeah it's exciting time well and i I think that i think with a lot of these shows that we think of as a bit more sophisticated storytelling they've 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 rebelled against the idea that they used to you know they used to say you had to write down to your audience you know they used to really feel like you had to write down to your average audience and i i think that now there's more of a push to to write up because you know we're not that
0: stupid we'll we'll keep up especially genre Genre, audience. Yeah. Well,
3: yeah. Well, also, I mean, all, you know, all the business, you know, there used to be all the middle realm of movies where, you know, they used to have these kind of mid-budget movies that they hardly make anymore. Like, a lot of that that money and that talent is now in television. So, TV has kind of taken the place.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I mean, look at, like, Game of Thrones, right? Game of Thrones, even just a few years before it came out would have been movies. No one would even thought of it as as television. Mm -hmm. But, like, I mean, it's amazing. I love Game of Thrones, and I think that it it turns out, like, yes, it's an amazing format for (laughs) for Game of Thrones. So, um, And and probably much better.
1: Yeah, I think there has been a shift in the resources, because, yeah, just about every movie that comes out is a big-budget movie. I mean, there's almost nothing...
0: There's not a lot in between movies. Yeah, Um, or or it's a super
1: low-budget independent film, or it's, like went into making this huge blockbuster film. And, uh, and, you know, I mean, a lot of these actors that hadn't done television in years and years and years for a while now have been going back to doing television. Yeah, there
0: used to be that whole, um, that line where... Yeah, you're either movie I don't actor do television anymore. you're <laughs> a TV actor now, it's not there so much anymore. Well, the fact that, like, Matthew McConaughey won the Oscar
3: at the same time he was starring in a TV show yeah mm-hmm. it's like that was I, I i mean i don't know if that's ever happened before that was like yeah, i think he should have won i
1: was season. hoping he would win for true detective i,
0: mean, I like breaking bad but but not it, it as much was... as
1: true detective for Break, me. if that wasn't
0: the last season of breaking bad he would have won
2: yeah
0: <laughs> was true detective is also a great show and you created the lost room and that was a very uh yeah full of mysteries and very sophisticated storyline
3: yeah me and i uh, mean a couple other people yeah my Twisty friend paul and laura harkham
0: we we should mention what Lost Room is about. Yeah. Can you tell us some more about Lost Room?
3: Oh, yeah. The Lost Room is about a, a, a homicide cop named Joe Miller, who is played by Peter Krause. And he gets a key. It's an old motel key that, it turns out, will open any door. And when you open the door, it opens into this motel room from about 1961. And... Every time you come out of the motel room, you can come out of any door you can think of Mm -hmm. or it'll open a door randomly somewhere on earth. As a result, it becomes this kind of de facto teleportation machine, but you can't leave anything in it because every time you reset, every time you enter the room, it resets. So, you know, if you paint the walls and rip the sheets off the bed, next time you go in, it's all back to normal. And if anything, anything you leave in there vanishes. And at the end of the first hour, I don't think I'm ruining anything for anybody. And in the first hour... Joe Miller's daughter gets reset in the room, and so he spends the rest of the miniseries trying to figure out how to get her back. But it turns out the key is just one of 100 objects that all came out of this motel room that had very strange powers. So, for instance, there's a bus ticket, and if you touch the bus ticket, it sends you to this little spot outside Galt, New Mexico. And they, they talk about there's a pencil. If you tap the pencil on a table, a penny falls out. That's all it does. But if you know if you tap the pencil all day, you could maybe make 500 bucks a day or, or more, I guess, depending on your commitment to tapping, (laughs) but but, yeah. And so they're just these very strange, you know, some, so some objects are really useful. Some aren't useful. There's objects, they don't know what they do, um, but they're all indestructible. And yeah. And some people think, well, if you get all the objects, you can talk to God. And some other people think that they're actually turning the universe apart. And then other people think, well, maybe the objects themselves constitute God. And so it's a very bizarre mythology and it keeps sort of rippling out. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm, I I love that project.
1: See, I'm thinking that pencil tapping, commitment to tapping. You know, I've had worse jobs that I've made way less than that a day at. So I would be that's totally true. willing.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's
3: true. It's not so bad, I guess. Five hundred no. bucks a day. I guess like, yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. You can kick I'll, back, I'll take watch back.
1: Netflix, catch up on parallels, <laughs> tap your pencil.
3: <laughs> yeah, you can take your carpal tunnel, and you can switch hands.
1: Well, and, yeah, yeah, but you can be ambidextrous real quick. Yeah, it's just tapping.
0: Yeah. 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 Now, where'd that concept come from between you and the, the other creators?
3: Um, that was, it was actually a combination of two things. One was my friend Paul, he and I used to work at the library at Carnegie Mellon in, in, in Pittsburgh. And, uh, and, and Paul's, Paul's like a really brilliant guy, but he used to come in with these really hilarious like mind experiments. And one was what would be the coolest superpower you could have, uh, the greatest superpower you could have, with the, the small superpower with the greatest effect. So for instance, what would be the, just a, you know, a, a minor superhero power you could have that would change your life. And his idea was, well, what if you could just teleport into this hotel room where you, you know you wouldn't have to pay a rent, you could get room service. Um, you, you know, it's like you wouldn't have to have a job. You'd just be this kind of, um, you just have this weird magic hotel room in your pocket, I guess. Um, <laughs> and he also had this idea for, you know, power where you could just send someone to originally it was Fort Wayne, Indiana. So you could teleport someone to Fort Wayne, Indiana, and they'd have a bus ticket back to wherever they came from. So, you know, it'd be irritating, and but it wouldn't be like this, you know, wouldn't destroy you. You'd just you'd be delayed, you know, by a day or two. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's kind of an so separ- yeah, you can get anywhere.
3: Yeah, and, and separate to that, I'd been working on a movie idea, but I didn't I didn't quite know where it was going to go. It was about this kid who had this like magic glass eye, and there's this there's this kind of battle going on under the surface of the world, you know, in like diners and bowling alleys and stuff. One day we, I don't know, we were talking about this and we just started saying, well, what if these ideas were combined? And then it was like, well, then these magic powers would actually be in an object, right? So this guy's motel power being a key. And and then suddenly, well, then you realize, well, then someone could steal that from you and that there'd be people fighting over these things. And that kind of, I like that kind of science fiction where you sort of just break one rule of the universe, basically. Like, okay, these, these weird objects exist. And then just starting to think about well how would that how might that play out like all the different ways people would interpret them and perceive them and you know some people would kill for the objects and and that was like a I, I find that fascinating.
1: that is yeah. cool And the hotel room's awesome because I still firmly believe one of the best parts of traveling is hotel
3: rooms. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm good for a good hotel any day.
1: It's awesome. You, someone else makes your bed, you, you, you dirty up towels, you throw them on the floor, and you're supposed to. It's awesome.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's the ultimate housekeeper that resets. Yes. And <laughs> um, you don't
1: have to feel guilty that someone else came and cleaned for you. It's a magic hotel room. It just reset itself.
0: <laughs> so, on film sets, especially when you're, you are got a low budget and you're rushed, sometimes funny goof up blooper stuff happens right (laughs) i'm just wondering if there's any kind of funny story from set that you like to like talk about or parallels
3: um man i mean honestly that we're we're moving so fast there's very little i think there's one thing where the actors got a little bit of the giggle fit but yeah i mean we kind of like i mean unfortunately i mean every every film set everyone's pushing limits of what they can do. Typically, I mean, everyone's trying to, everybody's rushed. So, like you're always rushed, no matter how much a budget you have, you always have, you know, limited time to accomplish things. Um, but on a budget really small like this, yeah, there's like, there's just no, it's it's hard to have fun sometimes because there's just so little, there's so little leeway. You have to move so quick, but I mean, I think we have a, a good time, but at least for me, you know, it's it's stressful. You're just, you know, it's very very time sensitive because if you don't you know if you don't get it done it's never going to get done like no one's going to give you more money or more time <laughs> like it just has to get done
1: well and you obviously kept your actors well caffeinated because they didn't get too slap happy
3: <laughs> no i mean i think there's an energy to that too i mean moving that quickly it's like i mean especially for the actors like they're acting a lot i mean they're yeah. not you know they're not, i mean the wait time is way less than on, than on a bigger project like they're in front of the camera quite a lot and you know And that's fun. And like I said, and there's and yeah, and with stress comes definitely a heightened energy. I mean, we're all you know, we're on the game. And and I think that's also the good thing when you when you've cast it well. Like, I mean, actors in a way are like, they're kind of like like great athletes in a way where it's you know a lot of what they have to do, a lot of the time is kind of preparing, a lot of the time is just waiting around. But then you suddenly shove them onto the set and the cameras are rolling. It's like okay, now go. And, And they have to do it very quickly and get it right. And they only have a few chances. We can't sit there. You know they have to know their line, they have to do, and 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 then I have to, and then I run up to them like okay what if, what if we try one where it's bold you know and I change it on them and I change three or four things and then they have to do them all <laughs>
2: and, and
3: it's a really and it's a it's a really rare I mean I mean it's certainly like a, a, a craft, but most people really aren't that interesting on camera and there's so the people who get actually more interesting on camera. And it's it's it's, uh, it's a very bizarre job.
1: Well, it's strange. It's sort of like doing a sprint and a marathon all at the same time. Because, so you know, it's it's a marathon. Uh, the I lo- may steal that. Okay. <laughs> this is you know, it's the long, I mean, you're in for the long haul, but there's all these short sprints in it. And, and yeah, like you said, you're changing stuff up. It's crazy.
2: Yeah. Steal yeah, away. A, steal away. Weird. Use it that's, all you that's want. That's
1: pretty
3: good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll never forget when I made up the marathon sprints. Analogy that's now famous. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we really hope Parallels gets picked up for, for yes, series. Yes, we sure do. I'd like to see further. So, all of our
1: listeners adventures. go out there and find that that petition.
0: Yeah, I'll put links to uh, to everything to the petition and, and other yes. stuff.
1: Yes. Oh, also, if you could let us know if you have any other upcoming projects besides uh-huh. hopefully the Parallels series.
0: Um.
3: Huh, I, I do, but they're all. <laughs> I have some projects going, um, but nothing. I'm not sure which one's going to go yet. Uh, you can also check out. I have a comic book called We Kill Monsters that came out a few years back.
0: Oh yeah, yeah
3: check that out. Um, Very cool. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah, there's some things in the works, but yeah, nothing I can. <laughs> That's nothing okay. I can announce. Yet.
0: I understand. Now, and before we go, is there any place online you want to send people to like where they can find Parallels? Plug away. And such?
1: Let us let our listeners know where they can find all your stuff online.
3: Uh, well Parallels is on Netflix and now I think it's launched on a lot of other streaming services like Amazon and iTunes. Uh, you can in Lost you can rent on D V D or buy on D V D, but I don't think it streams any place. My comic book, it's the we Kill monsters, you can get basically at your local comic book shop. Um, if you don't have a local comic book shop, I guess you get pł- it on Amazon or something. And I'm at christopherleone.com, C-H-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-R-L-E-O-N-E and my Twitter handle is basically the same thing, except there's no E in Christopher, just P-H-R, because they didn't there weren't enough characters when I signed up for Twitter.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know, I've run into that problem before, not with my name, but I was going to
3: say you
1: have, have a very sure. short name. Really?
0: all right well it's been really great speaking with you wish you you too we wish parallels all uh, very good luck
1: (laughs) please keep us updated on anything else you have coming down the pipeline
0: all
3: right well yeah hopefully in six months we'll reconvene and talk about how season one is going
2: how do we get home there is no running home my advice try not to die
0: how does it work how is it powered who's in control
2: i don't know Who runs the building?
1: I don't know!
0: Whoever built it, they're long gone.
1: Well, then who's running it now?
0: Don't you guys want to know what this place is? Where is everyone? everything is gone! Run
2: it! Get out right now.
0: What is the building? Hi,
1: my name is David Peterson. I'm the creator of the Dothraki language for HBO's Game of Thrones and the alien language and culture consultant for Sci-Fi's Defiance. And you're listening to Genretainment. Well, thanks to Chris for taking the time to chat with us. And we really would like to see parallels continue. So if this story sounds interesting to you, be sure to check it out and show your support on social media.
0: Coming up on our next episodes, we march towards episode 100.
1: Dun, dun, dun!
0: We will be chatting with Britton Valenti, the creator of the sci-fi web series Interrogation. Also editor, publisher, literary agent, and writer Sean Coyne, who tells us all about his new nonfiction book, The Story Grid, What Good Editors Know.
1: Also, a fun and geeky upcoming episode when we have the hosts of Super Geeked Up join us as we turn the tables and challenge them with geeky questions.
2: <laughs> yeah, that
1: should be fun. <laughs> now, before we go, we do want to remind you that you can keep track of us on our Genretainment Facebook page, Marks' Twitter account, which is at Mr. Marks, our website at Genretainment.com, or all of the shows at SciFiPulseRadio.com.
0: So that's it for today's Genre Tainment. We'll be back soon with all new guests from our favorite films, TV shows, novels, and web series.
1: Genre Tainment is a production of Alien Jungle Bug Productions.
0: Until, Until next time. time. Welcome to Genre
2: Tainment.
0: Yeah. Bow.
2: Bad monkey.